welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is Kevin Vicmanis, the founder of Van Orm Financial Technologies. Mr. Vicmanis, welcome to the show, sir. Hello, Maurice. It's great to be here. Thanks a lot. Glad to have you back on the program. In our last interview, we addressed the value proposition for the next capital vortex. Today, we will address central banks unwinding their balance sheets and the duplicitous effects that may occur and what actions you, the investor, may take to prepare yourself. But before we begin, Kevin, your company uses a unique skill set that I find intriguing, which is artificial intelligence for investing. For first-time listeners, please introduce us to Van Orm Financial Technologies. So Van Orm is an intelligent lead generator for trading opportunities. That's probably the best way to summarize it. So we use machine learning techniques to detect anomalies and un unusual market behavior. Uh, and then we report on it to members on a daily basis. So it tracks a global cross-section of sectors, ratios, and economic data points. And then when something occurs that has some kind of historical precedent for being either positive or negative for forward returns, Van Arm will report on it to members. So we think that by having an intelligent filter that's hand-picking market events to look at, it frees up our members' time to focus on things that they're actually really good at, like uh, constructing trading strategies um, or are doing analysis on their own, their own particular issues. Uh, so if you use a charting service or you trade on technical analysis, Van Orm's definitely a must-have membership for you. Kevin, your research has noted a mega trend occurring that is related to central banks unwinding their balance sheets. Beginning at the 10,000 foot level, can you share with us why central banks are unwinding their balance sheets and what this means for investors? Well, we had, uh, I guess, stepping back, starting in 2009, uh, the Federal Reserve and, and most central banks globally eventually caught on to this as well. But they came out with an explicit program called quantitative easing uh, to buy mortgage backed securities and other debt related securities from the balance sheets of. Um, uh, different institutions, whether it's SMEs like uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, or whether it was uh, different financial institutions in the sector that were carrying this quote unquote toxic debt on their balance sheets. But they grew their balance sheet from uh, about $800 billion to almost $4.5 trillion. Uh, and they were maintaining it at that level for a while. And what it actually means when a central bank is maintaining the size of their balance sheet with these debt related securities. What they're actually doing is that as 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 securities mature on their balance sheet, they actively seek out other similar securities to buy to replace them so that they can keep the size of their balance sheet at a constant level. So the process of expanding the balance sheet, as well as maintaining it at a certain level, there was an implicit assumption in the market that the central bank was going to be there and be a significant source of de demand for a lot of these securities. So that was the primary driver behind interest rates all ultimately hitting rock bottom yields, uh, most of them hitting 0% in a lot of cases yielding negative levels. But it was, the central bank was such a heavy, heavy influence on interest rates that in January of 2018, the yield on the S&P 500 was about 1.73% and the yield on the three month treasuries, which is considered to be uh, the United States' riskless asset uh, was higher than that. So you've got uh, S&P equity yields, which is considered to be uh, risky assets on somebody's uh, balance sheet or within their portfolio. 
they're actually yielding less than the risk-free rate, which is a really amazing thing if you think about it, and obviously something that's really unsustainable. So going forward, uh, the central bank has now um, communicated that they're going to shrink the size of their balance sheet. So in effect, what that's actually doing is it's taking a major source of demand out of this market for not only U.S. treasuries, but other mortgage-backed securities as well. Um, and that, that's a simple supply and demand factor. And once that equalizes, we'll see it equalize eventually, but uh, likely not until rates are much higher. You know, I always find it disingenuous of the U.S. Treasury when they reference uh, the rate of return that you'll receive on your notes is that uh, they, you have the real interest rate and the nominal interest rate, and they only convey one of the two. Uh, Two-fold question here for you, though. How will this impact currencies and capital markets? Well, it's, it's, it's a great question. You know, as we've seen the Fed go through these hiking cycles in the past, uh, typically any kind of economic turmoil uh, led to a flight to safe haven assets like U.S. Treasuries. And of course, in order to buy U.S. Treasuries, if they're foreign buyers, uh, it meant an uptick in demand on U.S. dollar as well. But I guess the Federal Reserve is in, they're in a bit of a tricky situation right now. Um, and I think over time, more and more market participants are going to actually start picking up on this. Um, but the level to which they've actually raised interest rates uh, is not really that high and, and, and within historical context. You know, for there's an extended period of time that were, they were pinned along zero. They've been trying to raise the rates because I think they know deep down um, that, that the artificially suppressed interest rates were, were driving these yields, uh, both on the S&P uh, and in bonds, to you know, disproportionate levels. So I think the next time around... Um, if the market sees that the Federal Reserve is willing to reverse course, um, start printing money to buy up a lot of these assets, uh, start down the path of uh, balance sheet expansion again, uh, you know, in, in the face of a market that uh, maybe reacts violently to what it is that they're trying to do, I think this time around it could be actually very negative on on U.S. dollar and Western currencies. I think people are going to start to realize maybe how sustainable some of the debt trajectories actually are. If currencies and equities will be negatively impacted, what is the prudent investment decision that one should make now? Well, to me in this situation, I like to look at, you know, what were the major beneficiaries uh, within the broad markets when the Federal Reserve decided to uh, embark down this path of, you know, explicit balance sheet expansion? Um, And I guess the answer to that is bonds, uh, equities, and uh, to a large extent, uh, real estate within uh, major urban centers. So we've seen significant inflation in a lot of these markets. They were the major, they, they were the major beneficiaries of what I call the risk premium compression that resulted from uh, them artificially lowering interest rates. Uh, but we had a lot of, strangely, everybody thought that commodities and, and other markets like that were going to go hyperbolic. Uh, but we actually didn't see that. And in my opinion, a lot of the reason why we didn't see that was because um, the market was front running all these explicit purchases from the central bank. Uh, wh- why wouldn't you uh, uh, you know, buy bonds if you knew that the Federal Reserve is going to be buying you know, 30, 40 billion dollars of them a month on an open ended basis? So I think that drew a lot of capital away from, uh, you know, resource sector stocks, uh, from commodities, um, any commodity, really. And so I think this time around, when we see this whole process unwinding, um, 
to me, it only seems logical that the markets that were really beneficiaries of it um, might suffer, and the markets that really didn't benefit it are actually, I would argue, punished by some of these policies. I think you'll start to see a lot of those start to mean revert. So uh, things like platinum, gold, uh, resource sector stocks, um, energy stocks, uh, which have been punished to a significant degree. Um, you know, especially within the explorers and the producers, they've had some of the sharpest declines uh, in record. So I think it, it all depends on how the market decides to react with the US dollar, whenever it is we get the next major trajectory change from the Federal Reserve. But my inkling, my instincts right now and all, all the data that I look at with Van Orm and our research suggests that the US dollar will, will probably be negative impact, negatively impacted the next time around. So then the answer would be, if I'm correct here, is physical gold would be the first prudent investment decision? Yeah, I, 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 definitely at this point, um, I always kind of advocate having some allocation of gold in your portfolio, especially right now, you know, with, with the debt-based currencies in the West really starting to get um, a balloon out of control. Uh, but, you know, we're also... Um, you know, there's, there's lots of fear in the market right now. We, we've experienced a significant correction in, in the S&P 500 and the broad equities. Um, a lot of the valuation extremes that we saw leading up to this that was causing everybody to warn of bubbles. Uh, we've actually seen a fair, fair amount of that bleed off, you know, it's, and it's come back into nominal territories. I sent a message out to my members uh, earlier this week saying that at, at this juncture, you know, if, if the if the correction in the S&P 500 extends, um, you know, into bear market territory closer to, you know, being down 20 percent. At that point, you know, going back to 1980 within our data that Van Orme analyzes, uh, most of the precedents, if not all of them, uh, are actually positive for one year returns going forward once the market has experienced a, a sell off greater than 20 percent. So there, there could be drawdowns in the broad equity market from here. Uh, you know, in September 2008, uh, the market ultimately fell 40% before hitting its ultimate bottom. And then exactly one year later from September 2008, the market was almost unchanged again. So, um, you know, could the market accelerate to the downside again, uh, you know, and, and resume a bear market? It's likely. Um, but at this point, I think prudent investors will start trying to anticipate some type of a accumulation program for broad equities. But I do think that um, kind of the forgotten markets right now, like gold, uh, which is carving out a multi-year base, uh, platinum, which has been absolutely crushed recently, um, and silver are, are, are going to do extremely well in the environment they're about to move into. You know, regarding uh, physical precious metals, would precious metal equities be the right place to be as well once someone has security position first in the physical metals? Yeah, so I, I guess full disclosure, I, I have some I have long positions in uh, GDX and GDXJ. Um, you know, w with Van Orem and in my research, I study sectors. Uh, there's lots of people that are that are really good at picking individ individual issues. Um, but when we're working with our machine learning system, uh, for for reasons that maybe uh, are beyond the subject of this interview, we try to stick with a sector. So I do have exposure to the gold mining equities. Um, through GDX and GDXJ. Now, um, 
Absolutely. You know, there's depending on what the investors are looking for, um, you know, royalty companies and, and the gold streaming companies really tend to do well um, during downside turmoil in gold and equity markets. You know, like we saw companies like Franco Nevada, whose stock performed incredibly well during the gold bear market from 2011 to 2015, where you really get your upside leverage and the gold mining and the resource space um, is when you're dealing with an issue whose cost of production is really close uh, to the prevailing um, the prevailing gold price, because that what happens there is you get profit leverage. So if if you have a a gold mining company that's selling gold for twelve hundred dollars an ounce, um, and say their cost all in cost to produce that that ounce of gold are eleven ninety nine, so they're making one dollar of profit. If the price of gold increases by a dollar. Uh, then the earnings for that particular company increased by 100%. So you go from $1 to $2, you double your earnings. And so that's what we mean by profit leverage. Um, you start to see a lot of the high cost companies really start to accelerate uh, when, you, when you see gold moving into a, a particularly strong bull market. I think what's happening right now is you're seeing a lot of the accumulation and, and, a, and a lot of the higher quality issues, and they've been doing well for, for quite some time. Um, but the sectors like GDX and GDXJ, I think, have been languishing, um, partly because they're full of lots of producers that uh, a lot of them haven't been doing particularly well in this environment. But I think that will change if gold can stage a major breakout. I think you'll see a you'll see a bid under um, pretty much any company that's producing gold if it can uh, stage a breakout and sustain it above uh, fourteen hundred dollars U.S. Switching gears, Mr. McManus. What is the next unanswered question that Van Orm Technologies is researching? And when do you believe we will have an answer? Well, right now, to me, the elephant in the room is with uh, what's going on with interest rates and how the market is fully going to react um, to the Federal Reserve removing itself as a major demand source in the debt markets. So it seems to me like there's a little bit of disbelief um, you know, you're starting to see two-year Treasury yields, uh, which is a fairly close proxy for interest rate hike expectations. Um, you've seen a lot of those rates come down recently. Um, some of that might have been because because the yields were overbought, um, you know, and the bonds were due for a rally. But I, to me, it, that that it really is the biggest question because the Federal Reserve was such a, a huge component of this equity rally that we had from from 2009 uh, until now. And I, I think whatever their action is, is gonna be a major component of how the market plays out going forward. Um, you can see the market kind of starting to begin to call their bluff. But what I'm really interested in finding out um, is what the Federal Reserve actually intends to do. I, I, if, if the market truly starts to react violently to their rate hike cycle, um, are, they, are they gonna end it? And are they gonna start to, to ease again, meaning uh, increasing the size of their balance sheet? Or are they gonna start cutting rates? I think if they start cutting rates, um, having only reached you know the levels that they're at, I think that's gonna be a really, really scary warning sign to market participants, market participants everywhere that uh, the US economy just can't handle higher rates and, and has become almost addicted to Federal Reserve accommodation. And I think at that point, how the market reacts to that 
is uh, going to be the primary primary determinant of which people are going to make a lot of money and which people are going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. And I think we'll, I think we'll have the answer to that uh, probably by the summertime. Truly interesting times and unprecedented times, and I'm I'm tickled to death to be here just to to watch it and and actually participate, sir. Last question: What did I forget to ask? Uh, I, I think we covered a lot, Maurice. But um, if, if you're okay with it, I like, I'd like to discuss a little bit about Van Orm's AI curated newsletter that we put out daily. So it, I touched briefly on the services when we first started the interview. Um, but, but the core of our, our research service that we offer right now is our daily AI curated report. It's really a publishing process that we've designed, which kind of merges the things that uh, machine learning algorithms and machine learning systems are really good at uh, with the things that people are really good at. So I'm a big believer fundamentally, and, and my readers know this, of kind of the convergence of machine learning-based systems and human-based systems. I think both types of, you know, both people and machines are really good at particular things. And what I try to do at Van Orem is to create workflows that combine the best of those, uh, the best of those worlds. So what our AI curated report does is every day, Van Orem is analyzing the, this global cross section of assets, whether it's Chinese stocks, Israeli stocks, uh, resource sector stocks, yield curves, economic data points. And what it does is it it figures out when something is behaving unusual in the market. It performs some hypothesis testing on it to, to see if there's any historical precedent for uh, meaningful positive or negative returns. And then it presents that in a report to our members. Um, and that's kind of a launch point for analysis that we do. So we're getting this pipeline of, of trading and investment suggestions coming from Van Orm daily, which are really high quality. Um, our members love it. Uh, the feedback I get from the members is that it's exposing them to things and markets that they wouldn't have thought to look at before, uh, which is really what it's all about. And sir, for someone that wants to get more information about Van Orm Financial Technologies Report, please share the contact details with us. Sure, yeah. Uh, readers and listeners can visit uh, vanorum.ai. That's V-A-N-A-U-R-U-M dot A-I. And um, we have a public version of the report, which is delayed a certain number of days to kind of keep our, our best information fresh for our members. Uh, but if they're interested in how that report works, uh, there's a link on our homepage to their public report. Um, and they can also um, take a look at some of the other services that we offer as well. And we would like to take this opportunity to remind our listeners, if you're interested in buying or selling physical precious metals, please call us at 855 505 1900. That number again is 855-505-1900. Or visit our website, provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Kevin McManus of Van Orm Financial Technologies. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, 
completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.